Today we are beginning a brand new teaching series called You Ask For It. And uh, the title really is, is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, these are questions that you guys have asked. Over the course of the last three to four weeks, I've been giving you an opportunity to submit questions that you have regarding your faith or regarding the Bible or, or church or anything along those lines. And you guys have submitted a lot of questions. So a lot of you have participated. Either that or one of you just submitted a lot of index cards with questions. I, I don't know, but we got a lot of questions. And that's good. And, and I know that you have questions and maybe many times... Uh, you're a little hesitant to ask those questions, and so we gave you an anonymous way to ask questions so that uh, we would know what your heart is, because I, I want to teach and explain things to you uh, according to the Bible. And we got a lot of questions, and I know over the next three to four weeks, we're not going to be able to get to all of the questions. However, I ask that you really pay attention, because there is a good chance that even though the question we answer today and in the next couple of weeks may not be worded directly the way that you ask your question, I believe that there are a lot of other questions that are going to be answered as we talk about certain topics. So just because I put a question on the screen that was asked and it's not specifically worded the way you ask it, don't check out and say, well, I guess he doesn't like me, whoever, you know, if he even knows who I am. And don't think I'm avoiding that topic, but there's a good chance that your question can get answered indirectly this morning. Now, we, we abide by rules anytime we do a Q&A type of series or a hot topics type of series. And those rules, there are three of them. And here's the first one. If the Bible speaks directly to the topic, we will go with what the Bible says and we will not waver. This, this, here's what the Bible says. We're not moving from that. Yeah, thank you for that one hand clap. We're going <laughs> to go by what the Bible says. Rule number two, if the Bible does not speak directly to the topic, we will look for principles, biblical principles, that may apply to that. How many realize that even though the Bible may not speak specifically to a topic, there are certain principles that you can apply to other topics in life that Jesus taught on? So, now number three, if there are no uh, principles and if, if the Bible does not speak directly to the topic, I will simply say, this is my personal opinion. And I have the right to do that because you ask for it, okay? So I will tell you, this is my opinion. You have the right to be wrong if you don't want to believe. <laughs> That's a joke. You have the right to choose to take what I say or, or not. So those are the three rules that are going to govern uh, my answers today. So let's get right to the question. We're going to spend the majority of our time on this one question today. And this is the most common question that I as a pastor get asked. Uh, this has been brought up. A couple of our life group leaders have told me that this was a big um, topic in their life group. And so I know that not only did we get several questions pertaining to this, but I've also heard a lot of feedback that people want to know the answer to this. And the question is this. Can a Christian lose salvation? Can a Christian lose salvation? Now, real quickly, now we're not going to hold you to anything, but I just want to take a poll. Um, how many of you would just by a show of hands, and don't judge anyone, okay? We're just, we're, just, we're real people. Um, how many of you, by a show of hands, would say, yes, a Christian can lose salvation? Raise your hand. Okay, several of you. How many of you would say, no, a Christian cannot lose salvation? Let me see your hands. All right. How many would say, it depends? Several of you. All right. I'm going to start off. I am going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you the answer right off the bat, my opinion. 
And then I'm going to give a lot of support, supportive scripture as to why I believe that way, okay? So when I give you the answer, um, if it's not what you were expecting it to be, please do not get up and leave because I am going to give you substantial um, scripture as to why I believe that way, okay? So can a Christian lose salvation? My answer is no. But there are some things that need to be clarified. That's my answer. And the first thing that we have to clarify is the word Christian. All right? Because there are a lot of people today who, will, who believe that they are a Christian who are not a Christian. And that, therefore, that's why there's so much confusion at, to, this, um, to this question. I, I believe many, many years ago, back when, uh, you know, when Jesus walked the earth and after he left and the disciples were here and they were teaching and things were going, I, I don't believe that this was ever an issue. I believe that our culture has slowly drifted away from the true teachings of Jesus. And now there's all this confusion as, well, can a Christian lose salvation? Can they not lose salvation? But I believe one thing that needs to be defined is what is a Christian? And how do you know that you're a, a Christian? Because people assume today that just because you go to church, you're a Christian. People assume just because you act a certain way or behave a certain way or dress a certain way or go to a certain church that you are a Christian. And, and let me be clear when I say this, and I hope you uh, understand my heart this morning. But I believe that hell is going to be filled with people who went to church every single Sunday. Because people believe that going to church makes you a Christian. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Acting a certain way doesn't make you a Christian. Saying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. Walking down the aisle and kneeling at the altar and getting all emotional doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Raising your hand at the end of the service to respond to a pastor's invitation does not make you a Christian. Having godly parents does not make you a Christian. Having a lot of money and giving a lot of money to the church doesn't make you a Christian. None of those things make you a Christian, but yet many people believe that those things do make them a Christian. That's why this question of can you lose your salvation causes so much confusion. The first passage of Scripture that I want us to look at is John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. This is the very first episode of Nick at Night. Um, I know I've shared that, that joke's so corny and old, I know. But, and if you don't read your Bible, you have no clue what that even means. But we, we learn about Nicodemus, Nick, coming to Jesus at night. So that's, anyway, that's lighten the mood a little bit. Okay, so John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. And I, I, want, I, know, we've, I know you've probably looked at this many times, but I just, my prayer is that you would see it today maybe for the first time. And um, that the Holy Spirit would give you revelation. Here's what it says. It says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now look specifically at verse number 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are what? Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, 
in Bible times, if anyone would have looked the part of a Christian, anyone would have believed that they were a Christian, it would have had to have been Nicodemus. And really no one would argue that. He was a religious leader, very religious. I mean, he knew the Scripture. He knew the, the, the Mosaic Law. He knew the, the writings of the prophets. And he would teach that. I believe he acted like a Christian. He, 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 he talked like a Christian. He, he dressed like a Christian. But yet Jesus told this man who was a religious leader, unless you are born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again. I want to spend a few moments on this phrase, born again, because obviously this sounds to me like the qualifier for heaven. Unless you are born again. Now, it's very important to remember who Jesus is speaking to. I've already spent some time on that, but He's speaking to a a very religious person, a very respectable man, I'm sure. A, a, a person who not only uh, knew God's law, but he taught God's law. A man who was following and teaching the ways of God to other people, yet obviously he lacked salvation. Because Jesus told him, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus says what most people would say when they hear that for the first time. Verse 4, he says, What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Verse 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Okay, now we're going to get to this in just a second, but I believe verse 3 and verse 5, Jesus is explaining what exactly being born again means. And as we continue to read this, I believe that you're going to get some clarity on it. Now, the confusion kind of comes in in verse number 5, where Jesus says, No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. People have a couple of different ideas when it comes to what it means to be born of water. One idea, or takeaway from this passage, some people believe that Jesus is talking about in order to go to heaven, that you have to be born of water, which is water baptism, and born of spirit. I, I don't believe that. Because water baptism is, is not necessary for salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. That there's no works. There's, there's nothing that we have to go through. There's no, no work, no formality, no process that we have to go through to be saved. Another reason I believe that, or don't believe that, is because the thief on the cross who said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he was not baptized. But yet Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in, baptism, or in, in paradise. So, I don't believe he's talking about being water baptized. So, I can, personally, I can throw that idea out. Another idea that people believe that born of water uh, represents a cleansing by the word. Jesus said, uh, unless you are born of, the, born of water and born of the spirit, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. Some people think that that's a cleansing uh, of the word of God. Which, I mean, that's, that's understandable, but it's a stretch, I think, to think that's what it means. I believe, personally, that being born of water is to be taken literally. That being born of water means to be born as a human. A physical birth. Coming from the womb. A water birth of the flesh. I mean, I realize that one of the things that happens when you're born is when a woman has a baby is that her water breaks. It's a water 
birth. And I believe that, that there are some scripture here that clarifies my belief that this is to be taken literally. If you'll just let Scripture interpret Scripture, it begins to make sense. So let's look at verse number 3 again. Jesus says, unless you are born again. Now these are my emphasis here. The, the Bible doesn't capitalize the word again. All caps, like, oh! This is my emphasis. But I wanted you to look at this word again. Unless you are born again. To be born again, there must first be an initial birth. Right? Now, we don't have to go back to school to be educated on what again means. Again means to, to, to do again what you've already done. So Jesus is saying, if you're going to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. But to be born again, you first have to be born. Okay? You can't have an again birth without an initial birth. And then verse number 5, he's explaining what it means to be born again. He says, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. To me, now you have the right to, to, to uh, believe whatever you want, but to me, Jesus, what he says in verse 3 with again is clarified in verse 5 with the word and. You've got to be born again. If you want to get to heaven, you've got to be born first of water and of the Spirit. So to enter heaven, you first must be born of the flesh and then be born of the Spirit. And then Jesus continues speaking to Nicodemus and what he's about to say in the, the coming verses further clarifies what happens when someone is born again. Let's look at verse number 6. And Jesus says, man, this is, this is, this is so revel... What's the word? It's a revelation. It's Revelatory, yeah, I didn't know that word. Um, humans can reproduce only human life. Do you see the parallels of what he was saying? Born of water could, could literally mean a physical birth. Humans, you've got to read the Bible in context. You can't just with, retract one verse and throw the rest of them out. So he says you've got to be born again. You've got to be born of water and of spirit. And then he goes on to say what he's talking about. Humans, physical birth, can reproduce only human life. But being born of the spirit or the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. I want to focus on this, this phrase for just a moment. Humans can reproduce only Human life. There, there are two things that I see from this phrase. Humans can reproduce only human life. The first thing I see is that nothing that you do in your flesh can produce spiritual life. Once again, Jesus' humans can only reproduce humans. Nothing you do in your flesh can produce spiritual life. Nothing. The second thing that I see from this phrase, humans can reproduce only human life, is this. That when a human is born, it possesses the qualities of a human being. Humans can reproduce only human life. That means when you see a human being, a baby, born, it's obvious that it was born from another human being. It possesses 
characteristics of a human being. It looks like a human being. I know that there's been some babies born that are questionable, like what in the world is that? But, but no doubt there, there, are, there are fingers, there's toes, there's hands, there's head, there's eyes. I mean, you, it has features and characteristics of a human being. Now, listen, that baby's not mature. That baby still has some things to learn. That baby still has to grow. But it has characteristics and features that identify it as a human being. Are you tracking with me? So Jesus says humans can only reproduce human life. So number one, nothing you do in your flesh can reproduce spiritual life. Number two, when a human's born, it possesses human characteristics and features. In other words, you can look at that baby and say, that's a human being. Then he goes on to say, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. In other words, keeping the context and the parallel of of a human being, what Jesus is saying here, I believe, is that when you're born again or when you become a Christian, you will possess qualities and desires and passions that are godly. Why? Because you've been born of the Spirit. Just as human beings are born with characteristics and features of a human being, those born of the Spirit or those who are born again are born again with new desires and passions. This is why I believe what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 gives this very supportive um, argument for this idea. The Apostle Paul says, verse 17, Anyone who belongs to Christ or anyone who is a Christian has become, look at this, what does it say? What kind of a person? A new person. Now let's go back to what Jesus said. Okay? Humans can reproduce only human life. When a human baby is born, it is a new life. It's not a, a fixer-upper. It's, it's, it's not a recycled baby that's you know, that's gone through a, an upgrade process. Right? I know that's silly, but I want, you, I want you to see, this is very important, guys. When that human baby is born, it is a new life. There is no old. I mean, this, this is a new life. So, so the Apostle Paul says, anyone who is a Christian, who's become a Christian, has become a new person. Thank God for that. The old life is gone. A new life. Not, not, a, not, a, not a better model, not a, 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 an upgrade, not a fixer-upper. You haven't been recycled. A new life has begun. New life. You have new desires. You have new passions. The, the old is gone. Your want to has changed when you become a Christian. You now have a desire to pursue the things of God. And this will happen if you truly experience being born again. So a Christian is someone who has experienced the new birth. Not someone who goes to church. Not someone who said a prayer. Not someone who has godly parents. A Christian is someone who has experienced the new birth. They have been born again. Okay, Scott, I I can buy that. 
But how do you know if you've experienced the new birth? Or you could ask it like this, how do you know if you're saved? A lot of people are asking that question today. And this, this too needs to be clarified. How do you know that you're saved? If you take notes, you should write these down. Uh, three, three questions to ask that you and only you can answer to determine whether or not you're saved. Number one, is there evidence of change? Is there evidence of change? Now, I'm not talking about, yeah, there's been change. I've started going to church. That, that's not the type of change I'm talking about. Has, has your desires changed? Have, have, have your passions changed? Your ambitions? Your, your want to? I mean, do you, do you feel differently? I mean, do you, do you have this desire to pursue the things of God? Because a saved person will live a changed life. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church of Colossae and he says this. He says, This same good news, the gospel, that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by doing what? Y'all look at the screen. This is, this is, God's, this is not me just typing this stuff up. This is the Word of God. By changing the gospel, the good news of Jesus changes lives. Just, he's writing to the church, he's writing to Christians, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth of God's wonderful grace. I, I'm, once again, you ask for it, okay? But if you haven't experienced any changes since you got saved, then you're not saved. If you haven't experienced any changes since you think you've got saved, then you're not saved. When you're born again, born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes into you and He produces fruit. And that fruit is changed lives. Now listen, now you may not look differently right away. Okay? We're not, there's no magic wand that you, you kneel at an altar, you, you pray and ask Jesus to forgive and you get, up, you get up and everybody's like, wow, you look completely different. It doesn't happen. You may not look differently right away, but you will have a new outlook on life and a new outlook on other people, and you will live according to that. So, when it comes to the question of how do you know if you're saved, number one, ask yourself the question, has there been change in my life? Have my desires changed? My passion's changed. That doesn't mean you're always going to be perfect. And you're always going to just be like desiring to read the Word of God. But there should, be, there should be some significant, noticeable changes in you that you know that means something's different. I, I just desire more of God. I desire to be in church. I desire to read the Word of God. Second question that you have to ask yourself is this. Where do you run when you sin? Or... What happens when you sin? What, what do you do? Where do you run when you sin? Because we all sin. Don't think you haven't sinned. Many of you probably sinned on the way to church this morning. <laughs> Yelling at somebody just or road rage or whatever. But this, I take this very seriously. And man, I hope, and I know you appreciate this, but I, man, I labored so hard over how to answer these questions. How do I know if I'm saved? What do you do when you sin? Where do you run? 
Because one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin and righteousness. I'll just tell you what it looks like for me. When I sin, and, 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 and maybe I'm using the wrong words and terminology, but I hope you, I hope you overlook my misuse of, of whatever the right words are and just know my heart. But when I sin, I feel yuck. I feel dirty. Not, not condemned, okay? I know I'm not talking about being condemned, thinking that I've, you know, God no longer loves me and that I've messed up. But I just feel like, yuck. And that yuckiness drives me to confess my sin to God. God, I'm sorry. The Holy, the Holy Spirit's role is to convict me. Scott, that's not who you are. What are you doing? That, that, that's not what I've done. And you, I've, 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 I've saved you from that mess. What, what are you doing? And, and when I sin, and any true child of God, when they sin, immediately they should be drawn by the Holy Spirit to repent. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I know that's not who I am. Forgive me. But yet there are a lot of people today who, who will call themselves Christians who sin habitually and never feel any remorse. Never feel like they even need to repent. In other words, they, they just make a practice of sinning. And that person is not a child of God. Let me show you some scripture on this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Man, if you want to mess with your theology, you read 1 John. But um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, the apostle writes this. He says, those who have been born into God's family, well, they've been born again, they've been born in the Spirit, they are Christians. Do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. Listen, the question, the, 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 the sub-question that we're asking right now is how do you know you're saved? Well, one way you know is what happens when you sin? Are you immediately, do you recognize that? God, I'm sorry. And, and driven back towards God, Lord, forgive me. I, I know I shouldn't have done it. Lord, help me to overcome temptation. Or do you just pretend like it never happened and just keep on going? Because if, if, if the latter describes you, then you're not a child of God. Because people who are children of God, the Holy Spirit lives in them and helps navigate their life. Please, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect. That's not what this scripture says. But when you sin, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us that lets us know that that's not who we are. And we should be driven back to God. Here's another scripture that I believe validates this. Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit, those who have the Holy Spirit in them, and who are led, in other words... that. The Holy Spirit's helping them in the decisions. and That doesn't mean that, that you're not going to have moments where you, where you let your flesh override your spirit, but the Holy Spirit's going to be leading you. All those who are led by the Spirit are children, are children of God. So if you're wrestling with this idea of am I saved or am I not, when you sin, if you feel this yuckiness that's driving you back to God, can I just help you to rest assured this morning? You're a child of God. 
And thank God for the Holy Spirit that's in us to help enable us to live life. Amen. Third question you have to ask yourself when trying to answer the question of whether or not I'm saved is are you trusting in Jesus? This is, man, this is a big one. Are you trusting in Jesus? One way we can know for sure that we're saved is if we are trusting in Jesus. Now let me, let me talk about this word trust for just a moment. Because if I were to ask you this morning, how many of you trust in Jesus for your salvation? Probably every hand would go up. Therefore, we need to define the word trust. What does that mean? Because Jesus made the statement, I should have written this down, it's in Matthew somewhere, just go read the whole book of Matthew. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. So you can say you trust, you can say you're a Christian, but that doesn't mean you're a Christian. Trust. Trust. We don't understand what the word trust means. I love this definition by Billy Graham. He says, To trust in Jesus means that we believe so strongly in Him that we are willing to commit our lives to Him and live the way we know He wants us to live. To trust in Jesus means that you believe in Him so strongly that you're willing to commit your life to Him and live the way you know He wants you to live. Let me give you an, an example. I know I, I, I am known for cheesy illustrations. That's okay. If it helps you grasp the truth, then I'll be known as a cheesy guy. But, but let's use keto diet for just a moment. Or you could use any, any diet if you want for that matter. But, but keto diet. A lot of people are trusting in this keto diet and, or those people who, who do trust in the keto diet will commit their lives to a certain lifestyle, the keto lifestyle, so that they can experience the, the benefits and the results of this lifestyle. Okay? Now, a lot of people like the idea of seeing results and losing weight and being more healthy, but they don't want to commit their lives to the lifestyle. Now, you, could, you could substitute any program, really, for that matter. For people who are truly trusting that the diet will work, they commit their lives to it. They're serious about it. I mean, they watch what they eat. They're reading blogs. They're, they're on social media groups about what, what's working for you. What's work, they're, they're sharing. They are bought in to this Keto program. Are you tracking with me this morning? They have, they're trusting in it to work for them. They're trusting so much that they have committed their life to it. Well, on the other hand, there are people who say, yeah, I tried that one time, didn't work. And you've heard me say this. I, I, I'll, this may be etched on my tombstone, but any diet will work if you just stick to it. The problem is, we don't know the, what the word trusting in something means. Trusting in something is not just to, to, to buy the package and bring it home and leave it sitting on your, uh, on your, uh, your cabinet for weeks. Trusting is something is, is pulling out the instructions and, and, and following it and, and living by it and seeing what works in your life. That's what it means, trust in something. 
There are many people today who call themselves Christians because they want the benefits and blessings of God. They want to go to heaven and they like the idea of, yes, I'm going to heaven. But they're not trusting in Jesus. They've not committed themselves to Him. They're not following Him. Following Jesus is, is getting in His Word and learning the things that He's commanded us to follow. You know, I, I, I know that, and God, once again, you guys ask for this, so please don't, don't judge me one way or the other. I, I'm doing my best to try to present to you what I feel that God laid upon my heart. But what I'm about to say does not mean that we have to read the Bible to go to heaven. We are not, we are not saved by works. All right? But how in the world can we say that we're a follower of Jesus, which by definition is, is what a Christian is, a follower of Christ. How in the world can we say that we're following Christ if we never read His Word? How? How do you know what he's asking you to follow? Are you just winging it, playing it by ear? Now, I'm not saying that, that, that you, oh, you've got to spend certain hours in the Bible. I, I'm not, this is not about works. We're not saved by works. But our works and what we do, our behavior should be evidence, evidence that we have been saved. What we do should be proof that we have been born of the Spirit. Now I have characteristics. Oh, I have a desire to read the Word of God. Yes, I may not do it every day, but the desire is there. I know I need to be in it. I know I need to be growing in the things of God. So that's what it means to trust that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come unto the Father but through me. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And how in the world do we know what His way is if we never get into His Word? That's, that's my... It's my statement this morning. How do we know that? So you can't say that you're trusting in Jesus if you're not doing anything to follow Him. Trusting in Jesus means that, God, I trust in this Word right here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of John 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. This is the Word of God. You want to grow in your relationship with Jesus? Read the Word of God. So I'm trusting in this. God, I trust in your way. Yeah, I mess up from time to time, but God, I know that this is the, this is the way I'm supposed to live. So God, I'm trusting in this to get me to heaven. Back to our original question. Can a Christian lose salvation? No. But you must define the word Christian. Because not everyone who says they're a Christian is one. A Christian is one, to recap, a Christian is one, number one, whose life has been made new. Next slide, please. There's evidence of change. A Christian is one who runs to God when they sin. A Christian is one who keeps their trust in Jesus. I emphasize the word keeps here because even though I do not believe a Christian can lose their salvation... I believe a Christian can walk away from their salvation. You asked for it. It's my personal opinion. Okay? I know some of you all ago when I said, how many believe a Christian can lose your salvation? There were a lot of hands went up. And when I said no, some of you like, oh, I'm in the wrong church. I don't believe a Christian can lose 
their salvation. But I do believe a Christian can walk away. Let, 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 me, let me show you this, okay? And I'm winding this down, I promise. And there, there, are, there are several scriptures that I believe support this. However, I'm only going to give you one. John chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. Because my question is, if a Christian can't walk away from salvation, then what in the world do you do with what I'm about to read? Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. Once again, if you're a believer in Christ, there will be evidence that you're a follower. Because Jesus said, those who are in me, they're going to produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse number 6, look at this. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. How do we remain in Christ? By continually trusting in Him. By continually trusting in Him as our righteousness and proving that we trust in Him by following His way. I know that, and I know that many of you, some of you may even catch me as we're leaving today, and you're like, well, what about this? There, there is so much more to expound on. I, I'm trying to condense all this into a 45-minute sermon. I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to teach you what, what I feel that God wants me to teach you. In closing this morning, if you're here, and you are truly trusting in Jesus, and there's evidence of change in your life, and you run to Him when you know that you've sinned, listen to me, let me give you some assurance this morning, then you are a child of God and you cannot lose that unless you decide to walk away from it. I believe, on another subject, I believe that's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. is when knowingly you walk away. I remember as a, as a kid, I'd be scared to death. Oh, if I blaspheme the Holy Spirit, I'm going to hell. If those of you that don't know, Jesus says blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the only unforgivable sin. How many, how many of you were terrified as a kid? Oh my gosh, I blasphemed. All right, let, just, let me just reassure you this morning. I believe this is the, unforg- the only unforgivable sin. Forgivable sin. It's when you stop trusting in Jesus for your righteousness. So let me assure you, for those of you who are struggling with this, am I a Christian? If you're trusting in Jesus, if you run to God when you sin, and if there's evidence of change in your life, there's there's a pursuit and and a hunger to want to know God, you are a Christian and you cannot lose that unless you choose to walk away. However, if you're here this morning and all along you've believed that you were a Christian, but you realize today that you're not really trusting in Jesus. And you realize today there's been no change in my life. I don't, my want to is not there to pursue Christ. 
and you don't practice repentance when you sin, then hear me when I say this. You're not a Christian. And you're not on your way to heaven. Now, you're not going to hear a lot of preachers tell you that. But one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account for what I've taught and for what I haven't taught. And I cannot get up here and give you an affirming message today to pat you on the back and say, okay, God understands. I will not be that pastor. I'm going to tell you what I see in the Word. I believe that it's very clear. And you know whether or not you're truly trusting in Jesus. Are you, do you even have a hunger for that? When's the last time you've picked this up? And, and, and when you do read something that, that, is, that is contrary to the way you're living your life, what do you do about that? Do, do, do you find some pastor that's going to affirm that? Say, well, you know, that's not really what the Bible means. You're okay. Or is the Holy Spirit driving you to repent? If that's you this morning and you find that you're not trusting in Jesus or there's no evidence of change or you don't run to God when you sin, my prayer is this morning that you would truly ask the Lord to forgive you and that you would truly commit your life to Him. I want to ask our altar team, our, our pastoral elders, to come to the front. We're going to take just a few more minutes. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Nobody looking around. I, I recognize that this is a very, very controversial topic and I know that I told you last week that you've got a lot of things to digest a lot of information I've shared with you over the course of the last 45 minutes but guys this is a this is literally a life or death topic your eternity is at stake this is not like buying a the wrong car and then you know getting a bad deal and then taking it back and, and getting a refund and getting a different one we're talking about your eternity if you're here this morning and you realize after what I've taught this morning that you are not truly trusting in Jesus and you know that you don't run to, to God when you've sinned or you know that there has not really been any change in your life and you say, I, I need to make things right with God. I want to give you a chance right now to get up out of your seat and come to the front. And ask the Lord to save you. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would draw everyone to you. Lord, those who have been playing church, Lord, those who have been living a lie, that today that they would see that they are not truly born again, that they need you that they would come and repent and surrender their lives to you. Thank you, God, for your grace. God, your grace is not a license to sin. Your grace is the power to overcome sin. And I thank you for grace in my life. Lord, I pray for those this morning who be who may be struggling with condemnation, God, who've been wrestling with the thoughts of, am I saved, am I not saved? And they've been terrified over it. God, I pray that today if they're truly trusting in You and there's change in their life and they run to You when they sin, I pray that You would give them the assurance this morning that they are a child of God, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk 
not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. God, let people know this morning that they truly are a child of God who are trusting in You. Lord, I pray that as we move forward, that that we would be well-studied and well-versed and well-knowledgeable in what it means to be a child of God. Lord, that we can share this message with other people who may have questions so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to work on their lives. God, I pray that we would be a church and we would be a church family who is not afraid to tackle tough topics and talk boldly, Lord, about what we believe the Word of God teaches. Lord, I pray that if there's any sort of disunity that the enemy would try to cause from a message like this, God, I I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I pray that, God, that we could talk about things in an an adult way. We ask, God, that ultimately that You would be glorified and that You would be praised and that we would be great examples. God, that we would not be stumbling blocks to anyone who's trying to come to Christ. That we would not live a lifestyle that confuses the world as to what it means to be a child of God. Forgive us, Lord, for not being a true example and a visible illustration of what it means to walk after Christ. And help us, God, from this point forward to live a life of holiness that we are not confusing other people. We thank You for it and we give You praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You guys can look up. I want you to know that that's tough. But you guys asked for it and I wanted to talk about it. And I love you guys. And I want you to know Christ in an intimate way. Don't distance yourself from Him. Because it's very easy to do. It's very easy to get busy with social media and work and all these things. Where the next thing you know, you don't, you've separated yourself and you don't, you don't feel God's presence drawing you. That's why it's so important to be in the Word of God and pray to build that relationship so you know that you're a child of God. Stand with me. I want to want to bless you to pray over you as you guys get ready to leave. Father, I thank you so much for this group of people who've come out today to learn more about you. God, regardless of what mindset that they came in with this morning, I pray that they are changed in Jesus' name, that they walk out encouraged, that they walk out refreshed, that they walk out with the attitude, I'm so glad that I was in church today to experience the Lord. God, I pray that You would raise us up to be firm believers in Your Word, that You would raise us up, God, to be great role models for what families and fathers and mothers and children are supposed to look like. God, help us be the the prototype, Lord, for what our culture, what our community should look like. God, let us be difference makers in our schools and in our workplaces. God, and in in the social world, in the marketplaces, God, let us be true lights so people will know who You are. We thank You for that. God bless each and every one today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. You are dismissed.